Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here, and I have the privilege of introducing you to Dr. Ron Alpha. He is the Senior Vice President of Translational Discovery at Recursion Pharmaceuticals. Ron is a physician scientist with training in metabolism, neurodegeneration, and genetics committed to the discovery of breakthrough treatments for patients. He's working alongside a brilliant and inspired team of biologists, engineers, and data scientists at Recursion Pharmaceuticals to build an incredible organization that leverages computation to revolutionize pharmaceutical development. I had the privilege of meeting Ron at the TEDMED 2018 meeting, also heard his, uh, his speech up on a stage, and I couldn't help but be inspired. Ron holds a, a, an MD and a PhD in neurosciences from Stanford University and an MA from University College of London. Over the course of his education, he has developed molecular therapeutics for Alzheimer's disease, discovered hormones of metabolism, and puzzled over the basics of the placebo effect. He's a California native. He traded the valley for the slopes to follow his passion for accelerating therapeutic discovery with recursion in Salt Lake City. When he's not working, Ron enjoys taking on various projects which some might construe as questionably different from working. <laughs> so Ron, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast and a pleasure to connect with you again. Thanks, all. It's great to be here. And, and one might argue that this is an activity that is quite similar to working that <laughs> I might do when I'm not working. <laughs> I love it, man. You're, you're so passionate. I love your, your way of doing things. What is it that got you into the medical sector to begin with? Yeah, yeah great question. So you know, I initially decided I wanted to go into, into medicine and in particular medical research because, you know, over the course of all of our lives, we have sorts of, you know, these sorts of experiences where, you know, people get sick and we kind of interact with the, the medical system in some way, shape or form. And without sort of telling my own kind of uh, illness story, if you will, or her many illness stories of, you know, people I've met or people in my family. Overall, for me, it was just this sort of idea that we're spending so much of our effort in trying to understand medicine, trying to understand human physiology, science, biology, and yet we seem so far away from having treatments for so many diseases. And as I was going through college, um, you know, first undergrad and then beginning graduate school, that was always a point that just struck me as almost 
surprising, but most troublesome that, you know, we are, we are putting a huge amount of effort into, into science and, you know, why can't we treat some of these diseases better? And actually, it reminds me of a quote that uh, George Ancopoulos of Regeneron just actually mentioned at a conference I'm at this weekend where he said, inventing a new medicine to treat disease may be one of the hardest things humanity has ever done. And I think that's, it's inspirational because first of all, it certainly is this incredibly hard problem on one hand, but then it also very much feels like something that through science we should be able to make an impact on. Yeah, no, you know, Ron, I think it's true. And and I think we don't give proper credit to the people, companies that have come up with the drugs that already exist and work effectively. The life sciences life cycle from uh, the beginning to a drug that actually works is long, it's expensive, and oftentimes it doesn't work. I'd love to hear from you what you believe a hot topic needs to be on leaders agenda as it relates to this and how are you guys approaching it? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And so, um, you know, everyone recognizes the challenges in, in discovering new, new medicine, you know, early on doing the science on, and identifying either the target or the first compound that could be potential new medicine and taking that all the way through the many, many stages to clinical development. And there are numbers that folks throw around. So you know, it's estimated that it can cost up to $2 billion per compound per, per new medicine if you count the you know, entire cost of R&D. And so a hot topic you know, in this space right now, and you've, I'm, I'm sure you've heard a lot about this, is machine learning in, and you know, computational tools, machine learning, artificial intelligence, lots of terms that don't necessarily mean the same things, but oftentimes are used interchangeably in the media, are generally in a position where uh, people sort of think that these types of approaches using software and advanced uh, machine learning techniques are going to revolutionize just about any industry. So why aren't they making an impact on drug discovery? So that's a one question. But mm -hmm. from a sort of controversial standpoint, I think a lot of folks are saying, you know, biology is just too hard. And there's a lot of uh, disbelief in many ways that machine learning techniques are actually going to be impactful. So people often reference uh, sort of the hype cycle and suggest that, you know, there's a lot, a lot of companies in the space are talking about how machine learning tools can be built to accelerate drug discovery, but there isn't a lot to show from it. Yeah, so totally, totally get it. The hype cycle, really, are people just using these terms to get press? Maybe you could give us an example, Ron, of how your company is making a difference and creating results by using these techniques. Yeah, great point. So one of the things that we as a company want to emphasize is, you know, I think the only way to sort of get past the hype is to actually get to results. And, you know, as a company, it's only been around for five years. Three years ago, we, we really couldn't point to any results. Today, we can point to a compound, a, a new potential therapeutic that's um, just finishing off the first of the phase one studies, so it's actually been in humans, and we can point to another compound that we've discovered um, that we've licensed as a clinical stage compound. So those are tangible results where we can say, look, we've applied machine learning to drug discovery, and in a relatively short amount of time, not as short as we would hope, but in a relatively short amount of time, we've, we've made an impact. So I was just also going to add that I think from, from the perspective of, of recursion of the company, what we are trying to do in the space is think about what kinds of data sets do we need in order to build a suite of tools, if you will, that will help us to move drug candidates faster 
through the pipeline from the early discovery phase to the clinical development phase and increasingly building those data sets and those tools using, using software. Yeah, definitely another sort of logistical issue there and one that deserves attention. So I think it's, it's fascinating work that, that you're up to, Ron, and intriguing to me. I mean, in the typical life cycle, from discovery to market, five years is nothing. So in the context of what we're talking about, yeah, I mean, it's pretty fabulous work. However, in the context of startups and everything, five years is a long time. So, you, you know, folks, you got you to gotta listen to these results and put them in the context, I would say, because it is a big progress that these folks are making. With the good things come setbacks, and I'd like to hear from you, Ron, maybe a time when you guys had a setback and what you learned from that that has made you guys better. So the one thing that comes to mind, I'll say two things uh, regarding setback. First, I think very broadly speaking, as a startup, you fail every day. You need to be wrong a lot. So I think it's important for all of us, and especially in, in leadership positions, and especially at startups, to be very comfortable being wrong and be very comfortable taking feedback from other people, putting ideas out there, and letting people pressure test those ideas. One of our company models at Recursion is, is actually ask why. And that's a very uncomfortable company model, company culture uh, aspect, because it gives everyone free reign to say, why do you think that way about that thing? Or why do you think that's going to be effective? And, and really to pressure test you on just about everything. And so for folks that often started recursion, they're a little bit uncomfortable with it, but pretty soon you get really used to it. And you realize that, you know, this is incredibly important because we don't all have all the answers. In fact, we certainly do not have all the answers and the, the, the correct approach or the best approach, as it were, not the correct approach, the best approach often is emergence from conversation with multiple different people and kind of and oftentimes a conversation with people just pressure testing ideas. So I think for me, I think that's one of the important, most important things uh, mm -hmm. there. And just a more practical response to your question, however, is, and I sort of referenced this a minute ago, at the very beginning, I think we thought we were going to be able to build the tools, build the data sets a lot more quickly than we could. And that's not to say that we haven't, in just a short amount of time, really made an impact on drug discovery by building machine learning tools. We certainly have made a lot of fantastic progress, but I would say one of the big lessons that we learned was that one of the most important aspects of being a data science company and using machine learning models is to have extraordinary, first of all, extraordinary data and to have extraordinary control and understanding of that data. And I think it's safe to say that it took us just a little bit longer than, than, than we had anticipated to fully understand every aspect of the data that we needed to control in order to fully understand the assumptions that we were making. And I think a lot of folks in the space, it, that's kind of a lesson that a lot of folks in the space that are generating data or that are, that are using machine learning tools alongside large data sets will come to that conclusion as well. Great findings, Ron, and, and appreciate you sharing those. There's definitely a, a point where all of these, these lessons and, and successes culminate into great opportunity happening and things like that. I know you've got a lot of, a lot of really interesting things happening today. What would you say up to this point is one of your proudest leadership experiences with the company? Yeah, that's a that's a great question and also a little bit of a, a difficult one, I would say. So I started at Recursion about three years ago. We were a very, very small team, just around around 10 or 12 people. And so on one hand, I feel 
incredibly proud and incredibly privileged for how far we've come. And I think my contributions to building that team is an area that, that I certainly feel proud of. But I also have a very hard time sort of giving you that response because on one hand, you know, that's, I, I owe <laughs> I, I owe my ability to contribute this incredible rocket ship of a mission to, you know, the fantastic founders of Recursion that invites me to join the team and that have been incredibly passionate and incredibly uh, hardworking throughout the journey of the company. I also have to recognize everyone that along the way, all the incredible people that we've hired and, you know, being in Salt Lake City, a lot of, a lot of folks have, uh, have moved from, you know, I moved from San Francisco. A lot of other folks have moved from different areas of the country to hit the ground running and really be really committed and inspired by the mission. So on one hand, I feel very proud of, you know, how far we have gotten as a company and what we've, and what we have achieved. But I also feel very privileged to have worked with such a tremendous number of incredibly driven people that have contributed to that for sure no that's a great call out you know and it's definitely important to consider the people on your team as you as you think about your proud moments and and the building of your company eventually kind of like the the question you left us with at TedMed is can we map all of the all of human biology and and if you guys keep up the work you're up to I don't know maybe the answer to that is yes so what would you say today is an exciting project that you're focused on? Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of incredible work going on in recursion. I already mentioned that, you know, we have our first compound that drug that's been discovered using our machine learning tools in human clinical trials in phase one. So we're incredibly excited about that. That compound uh, is for a, a rare genetic disease called cerebral cavernous malformation. Uh, that's a very devastating uh, hereditary stroke syndrome. Uh, that affects thousands of patients. So we're thrilled to to be moving that compound into the clinic and looking forward to talking more about results as we as we progress. Um, we also just in licensed another compound that is again a clinical stage compound, one that we discovered on our on our platform uh, for a disease called neurofibromatosis type two, and that's another very severe, uh, in this case, a rare tumor syndrome, again a rare genetic disease that's quite debilitating, and so. That's another disease that we have close to our heart of recursion and are very excited to potentially impact with a new drug candidate. And the last thing I'll mention is beyond that, we have over the past year, you know, a lot of the a lot of what we had done earlier in the company is build this very large data set. But over the past year, we've begun to ask questions like, can we combine this core data set that we have of cellular images with other types of data sets and use you know, the combination of those data sets with machine learning tools to build predictive models for other important aspects of drug discovery. So, for example, uh, cardiac toxicity is an important, evaluating cardiac toxicity is an important step in any drug discovery campaign. So, we've been asking, can we actually predict cardiac toxicity from the original data set without running additional studies, at least by this one assay, which is called HERG? And we were able to very quickly generate this additional data set that we can combine with our core imaging data set. And, and we're actually seeing great results in predicting our results for this assay for compounds that have never been run on the assay. And so, and we've been able to do that across multiple different assays. So I think this is one area that's really only been in development for, for about a year now where we're seeing incredibly rapid results, which is incredibly exciting. That is exciting, Ron. And uh, kudos to you and your team for 
being creative in your approach and taking a look beyond the, the, the regular practices on how you could combine these data sets for, for results. Getting close to the end here, let's pretend you and I are building a course on what it takes to be successful in the, the business of pharma and healthcare. It's the ABCs of Dr. Ron Alpha. So I've, <laughs> so I've got five questions, lightning round style for you, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? So one of the challenges that always comes up for, for healthcare is, is just broadly innovation. And uh, on one hand, healthcare systems are always trying to innovate. But on the other hand, uh, physicians and other and folks outside the space even are always sort of complaining that innovation is incredibly slow in healthcare. And understandably so, because uh, healthcare is a very conservative space. Human lives and health are at stake. But at the same time, I think there is opportunity to create sort of safe innovation and to innovate in ways that don't put patients' health at risk. And so I think we need to continue to, to think creatively about how can we innovate in healthcare and the physicians, hospitals, the healthcare ecosystem needs to be open to, in some cases, outsiders coming in and thinking a little bit differently about how we can solve problems. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think one of the things that always comes to mind as a, as, a, as a pitfall is just sort of this assumption that the status quo, how things are today are necessary or are so because they are the best or most optimal solution. I think, you know, my, I have a degree in history, as you mentioned in the bio, and one of the things I studied was uh, the history of science and medicine. And as you look back in time, you often realize that the way things are today are so because at some point in time, someone made a discovery or some decisions were made or there's some understanding of the world that gave rise to where we are today. And those initial understandings and observations may or may not apply to the world where we exist today. So I think we almost need to rethink the way we do things and ensure that the way we're doing things today are applicable. Love that, Ron. I always say, don't assume. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and so if, how do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Yeah, I mean, I think any organization and especially companies, startups need to focus on creating value and focus on continuing to improve on the levers that better enable them to create value. So for us at Recursion, while we are a company that is trying to use machine learning and computational tools to Reimagine drug discovery at the top of our mind always discovering new medicines. So the thing that is incredibly important to us on a day-to-day -day basis is that we're always thinking about how we are moving our therapeutic programs from point A to, to point B and at the same time uh, working on building the tools to do that more quickly. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Uh, yeah, so I think that's, as I mentioned just now, I think probably the best answer there is discovering new medicines. We as a company are absolutely focused on uh, discovering medicines that are going to change lives of, of thousands of patients and doing that at a scale that's been, that hasn't been done before and that a scale that some people might call crazy. And so we would like to continue to, to think of new ways to build new technologies that will enable us to more quickly discover medicines for patients. Love it. And the last one, Ron, is a two-part question. What is your number one health habit and what is your number one success habit? My number one health habit? Uh, let's see. 
<laughs> I I infrequently like to like to go off and on keto, and, and you know the fun thing about keto is that you feel really good when you're doing it. Yeah. But you feel really bad when you're when you're not actually in ketosis and you're uh, having this annoying, very annoying eating uh, <laughs> eating habit. So. <laughs> so, hence why I go off and on. Uh, and the, the other thing that I love to do is uh, I do boxing and, and spin oh, nice. classes at this incredible studio in Salt Lake called Rebel House. And if you're listening from Salt Lake, you should definitely check out Rebel House because they're awesome. <laughs> love it. Shout out to check out the studio. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, <laughs> and how about the success habit? What would you say your number one success habit is? So I, I would say it's probably my number one success habit is and has always been, uh, and maybe this is also not a, not a health habit, but just working excessively and working incredibly hard. I find that oftentimes, especially, you know, in school, oftentimes there's sort of this view that things just come naturally to people. And at least for me, I feel that the only way for me to really sort of be at my peak in, in terms of understanding something, thinking creatively, is to work hard and to really sort of surround myself and you know whatever the topic is whatever i need to do so i've historically not tried to <laughs> sort of downplay how much work i put into things i i end up putting a lot of work into things and i think it's important for, for all of us to recognize that oftentimes things don't come super easy love it ron love the candid message there and uh, what book would you recommend to the listeners uh, so, you know, it's a little torn here because, you know, a lot of what I end up reading as being at a startup are, you know, these business books. Um, and, you know, I really love the hard thing about hard things. But I actually, the book I wanted to recommend uh, today is actually an old book by a, a guy named Thomas Kuhn. It's called The Structure of Scientific Revolution. And so, and you actually can, you can get really far by just reading the introduction. And, and this book is incredibly important because it is you know, the origin of the term paradigm or paradigm shift that's used in, in science, less so these days, kind of come out of fashion, but it was used a lot a couple of decades ago. But I think one of the main messages of the book is it really analyzes a lot of different trends in you know, scientific discoveries. And he finds that it's important to appreciate that I don't want to say there's no objective truth. There's certainly you no know, objective observations, but discoveries that happen at a certain point in time, in a sense, open up a new way of seeing the world that enable additional discoveries to be made. And prior to those discoveries coming into existence, no one can really envision what might follow from those discoveries. And, and so just take DNA, for example. From the discovery of DNA, we have been able to advance science in many different directions that had we not discovered DNA, we, we couldn't uh, sort of imagine. And you can kind of understand many different threads uh, using the same approach. And so I think for me, it's important scientifically, and it's also important from kind of the innovation and startup perspective, because you almost have to appreciate that where we are today, we sort of exist in this place where some avenues of discoveries have been opened up by others, but others have not. And oftentimes, something that seems totally you know, impossible or totally crazy may not be so, because you just haven't sort of opened the door to that, that worldview. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it goes back to the assumptions, right? And, and uh, making sure yeah. that you're not making any assumptions. Something may be possible. That you may have previously thought not. And that's the door that opens to the sort of domino effect of the rest of them. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly true. I mean, one thing we're in a position right now where, you know, I've talked a lot about building machine learning tools to accelerate drug discovery. So today we, we can 
point to certain steps where we can build tools to make predictions that might impact those steps. But we really can't imagine how, jump forward 10, 15 years, how the entire process of drug discovery may look in a world where it's not just biology and chemistry, now it's biology, chemistry, and software. And there are many different you know, ways we might predict uh, the safety of potential therapeutics in humans that, that are very different from the ways that were invented 20 years ago. Love it, man. You're always thinking ahead. That's why I enjoy chatting with you and folks. <laughs> fortunately, we, um, you know, these things, uh, I made a decision early on in the podcast. 30 minutes was the sweet spot. Uh, so maybe we'll get you on for another round uh, in about six to 12 months, Ron, to check you guys out, see what you're up to. But for now, I love if you could just leave us with a closing thought and um, the best place where the listeners could uh, follow your work or get in touch with you. Sounds good, Saul. Yeah, I enjoyed speaking to you thoroughly and you know, happy to, happy to be back on the, on the podcast in the future if you like um and you know listeners can feel free to reach out to me at ron at recursionpharma.com outstanding ron thanks again for spending time with us i know you're in the middle of your conference there so big thanks and uh looking forward to staying in touch thanks all thanks for listening to the outcomes rocket podcast be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.